the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. I raise a
sing because praise releases the blessing of God in your life. You know that? When you're you're singing and worshiping the Lord, what you're doing is you're declaring His presence in this place. Not just in this place, but in this place. That you're giving the Lord permission to have all authority over everything that we do. And you know, I love the, the part of that song where it says, praise is our weapon. It's our weapon. That's what we fight with. We don't fight with flesh. We fight in the spirit realm. And so I want to encourage you, you know, one of the things that often happens is you come to church and you're kind of like, how many of you ever have something that happens on the way to church, gets you in a funky mood? Anyone ever do that? You know? So what you do is you come into church and you start to praise. And what you do, you're releasing that to the Lord. And you're just saying, Lord, I give you all authority. I give you all dominion. I give you all that I am. So we're going to sing that song. And I want to get get it in your spirit. You know, get out of the flesh and get it into your spirit so you can worship the Lord. Because scripture says, those that worship the Lord worship him in spirit and in truth. So we want to just release that this morning. Father, right now we come in the name of Jesus. We bless every person in this room, those that are yet coming. And Lord, we pray that our praise will be our weapon. It will be what we acknowledge your presence in this room and in our lives. And Lord, we just release your presence to do great things, Lord. You are the lover of our soul. You're the healer of our bodies. You're the restorer of relationships. And Lord, we just give you all authority this morning in the name that is above every name. Now let's sing that again.
this weary soul This bag of bones I try Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name 
solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank
Yes. 
because it's up on a hill and it looks out into the Mediterranean and it's an absolutely amazing view and the scripture talks about how the prophet spoke and saw a cloud appear about the size of your hand and it was way out in the distance and what it was doing it was during a time where there was no rain it was a time like kind of like California right now in the drought season you know and what was happening was the glory of the Lord was manifested way out there in the distance that the prophet saw it and then saw it come to pass. You know, this morning when we were driving in, we came in, it was about quarter to seven, I think, or so, maybe 10 to seven, we were driving up. And the stratus clouds were really low this morning. Anyone notice that? How low the clouds were? And uh, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about how the cloud in Scripture represents the presence of the Lord. Do you know that? 
there's a word that we use. It's a song. There's actually songs. There's descriptions of it. It's, it's called the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah actually, the word doesn't appear in the Bible, but the concept does. And, and what uh, the, the, the word means basically is the presence of God in a situation. So in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 40, it talked about how the cloud appeared over the tabernacle, over the, the, the place where the people met with God. And it's interesting because the, the literal meaning of the word Shekinah is the one who dwells. So every time I see a cloud, especially when it's like in, embracing an area or like if it's El Toro surrounded by a cloud or if I'm driving someplace and I see really low-lying clouds, I always think of the dwelling of the Lord and how the Lord wants to surround us. I don't know if you've ever been up into the mountains where you're up above the clouds looking down and it, it just changes everything. And so I was thinking about that this morning when I was sitting in my office before service and I just grabbed my Bible and started looking through some texts. And this is really when you think about the, the presence of the Lord in your life, you think about the one who wants to abide and reside in you permanently. That's actually what the word Shekinah means. Shekinah is actually the derivation of the word. And it, it means that he wants to dwell in us. You know, he, he used to dwell in tabernacles and tents. But, you know, in, in, in the New Testament, he says, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? That you don't have to go to the, the Holy of Holies. You are the Holy of Holies. That's an amazing thing. The God who spoke the universe into existence wants to live in us and to transform us and to make us like him and to, to give us peace and give us joy and give us uh, all the, the things that he has for us. And so I was thinking about that and I thought, what does, what does the, the, the cloud represent in Scripture? And the cloud represents the presence of God in all areas. And sometimes you can't see the cloud, you can't grab the cloud, you know. I remember I was backpacking once in the in the Rockies in New Mexico, and and we're up about about 12,000 feet, and a cloud came in, and I remember doing this with my hand, and like as your hand moved through the cloud, the cloud separated around you, but you were still engulfed by the cloud. And I thought that's really what the Lord wants to do. He wants to move all around us and engulf us. And and it's interesting because in the Old Testament, in the Book of Chronicles, First Chronicles 16. It says this, it says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. Do you know that God wants you and I to declare who he is to everyone we come in contact with? You know that? Not just, not just the people far off, but the people who are close to us, our friends, our family, all of those. We need to share the goodness of what the Lord's done in our life so that they can experience that as well. And I was thinking about the New Testament because I, I did recently did a, a pretty exhaustive uh devotional on the book of Colossians and in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 it says I love this passage of scripture listen what it says it says for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form so in Jesus every aspect of God the Father the cloud the fire by night the presence of God the miracles the healing all of that lived in Jesus and then it says this and in Christ you have been brought to fullness now think about that. Do you ever think about that? How the Lord wants to bring you to the fullness of revelation of who you are? Not, not even the fullness of revelation who you think you are. Right? Because sometimes we think we're something and, and, and God says, no, I got something even better for you. You know? I love how scripture says, he will do exceedingly abundantly above what we imagine or ask. So we have this great, how many of you have a great imagination? Four people. We need to pray. God, help us. 
right now. This, this, I know this word's for you if there's that's all of us, you know. But when you have an imagination, God wants to even do more than that. Exceedingly abundantly above what you could imagine or ask. So right now, let's just pray. Father, I don't know what the needs are in this room, but I know this, that you are a God who surrounds your sons and daughters. You love us. You are caring for us. You are compassionate for us. And right now, whatever need we have, Lord, if it's a physical need, if it's a need for healing, if it's a need for restoration of relationship, if it's a need for direction, Lord, if it's a, a need for uh, re-surrendering ourselves to you, Lord, if it's a need for uh, clarity in what we're doing, Lord, if it's a need for uh, a blessing upon our families or our businesses, Lord, whatever it may be, Father, I pray that you will come into this presence, into this room, into each and every person like a cloud, and you would just engulf them. And I pray that they would sense your incredible love. I, I pray they'd sense your incredible loving kindness. I pray that, Father, we would sense, sense the presence of the Lord in such a, a beautiful, powerful way. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just bring all these things to pass so that we can glorify you and that we'll be able to tell others how good and how loving and how compassionate you are to us. And Father, I pray that you would just bless each and every one of us for the rest of this time that we have together, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Aren't you glad the Lord's good? Aren't you glad the Lord loves you? Aren't you glad that all the things you've messed up, I don't know about you, but I really messed things up. I was thinking about this the other day. I was, I was reading a, a book and it was talking about never forgetting the time you first fell in love with Jesus and you realized that he loved you. And I was thinking of where I could be and what could have been with my life, but yet how the Lord turned it around, you know? Like that song we sang, set our feet on solid ground, you know? So it's, it's good having you this morning. Uh, see some, some partially new faces, because I can't see your whole face yet. If you're a guest or visitor, we're glad you're with us this morning. Uh, in the back of the pew, there's a little card. It's called a communication card. If you want to give us your information, we'll pray for you. If you, you want to get our, our weekly newsletter, we send out a newsletter every Friday. gives you tons of information about what's happening in the church. You can just put uh, your email address down there. We don't share it with anyone. It's just used uh, for us here uh, to communicate with you. It's a great way to get contact information. And one of the things that's really important, I, I was in a, a meeting this last week. I was up in Sacramento for some, uh, uh, some meetings. And uh, people were talking, there was about 30 of us, and we were talking about how everyone seems to be so socially isolated right now and how it's really important for us. You and I were not created to be islands. You know that? We're created to be in relationship with people. And so we have a lot of opportunities for you to gather with us. We have men's groups, women's groups. We have youth groups. We have children's groups. We have age groups. We have hiking groups. We have, uh, on Tuesday night, we have an open gym. and People can come play basketball together. Uh, we have great opportunities for you to get connected. And I think, you know, we need to, to, to be with one another, you know, to encourage one another, to look in each other's eyes, to smile at each other. You know, there's, there's something happens when you're together with other people. And so we want to encourage you to get involved with that. Uh, we are having, uh, in uh, on May uh, 23rd, we're going to be having a water baptism. We already have two uh, people that have signed up for that. We're going to do it at 10 o'clock between services. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. We have a, a large, I think it's a cattle water trough. I don't know. Maybe, Michael, you could tell me, buddy. But it's this big thing. We're going to fill it with warm water. And because we can't dunk everyone in the same tank, we're going to take 
five-gallon buckets, and we're going to immerse you with water, okay? So that's what you need. So you need to bring it. If you're, if you're coming to second service, bring a change of clothes or come to first service and bring plastic bags to sit in your car on the way home, okay? So that's what we're going to do. It's going to be a great time. And I encourage you, if you haven't been water baptized or if you haven't you've made a recommitment to the Lord, it's a great opportunity to rededicate yourself to the Lord. What water baptism is, it's a public declaration of what God's already done in your heart. It doesn't save you. But it just takes you to uh, saying, I'm going to serve the Lord in a greater capacity. So I want to encourage you to do that. In addition to water baptisms, we, as I mentioned, we're taking a trip to Israel in June. We have uh, probably about 17, uh, or June 2022, not this June, next year. Uh, we have about uh, about 16 to 18 people, plus a church in San Ramon is going to be joining us. It'll be a great opportunity. Uh, if you can, I would really encourage you to go because it opens up the word and the Bible to you like in ways you can't imagine. You're actually walking. We're going to be walking on the stone pavers that Jesus walked on. Isn't that going to be amazing? And we're going to be, we're actually 30 feet underground doing it, but we're going to walk on those. And it's in a really cool place. Uh, so uh, talk to me if you want more information. We'll have uh, prices once we get a little closer because they have to wait on the airlines uh, in order to have uh, uh, one year out before they could book the airline prices. Uh, we have sermons available. If you want to listen to those online or pass those along, you can get those on our website or, or uh, in the e-newsletter it has that. And then uh, yesterday, Pastor Lynn and I met with Vivian Saba. Uh, those of you that know Bob and Vivian, Bob went to be with the Lord. And uh, we met with her yesterday. And we, we confirmed the time of her service uh, for Bob. It's going to be a memorial service here. It's going to be on Saturday, June 5th at 11 o'clock in the morning. We're going to have a memorial service in here, and then uh, they're going to have a meal uh, provided in the gymnasium. Uh, that'll give us more social distancing because we can fit more people in there. So I want to encourage you to uh, continue to pray for Vivian. Uh, they were married 57 years, and uh, she's having a hard time, so keep her in your prayers. She's a, uh, got a lot of vim and vigor in her still, but we need to just uh, be praying for her. And if you want to reach out, drop her a note, call her. Uh, take her out for lunch go for it uh, she would love it I told her yesterday I said as a church we take care of the widows and the orphans that's our role that's our responsibility so we need to be the body of Christ and do that for her uh, one of the things we do is missions here we have a great missions program uh, I was looking at we have 28 missionaries we support on a monthly basis and uh, the missionary of the week this uh, week is uh, Dr. Sobi and Jerry Malik they have been career missionaries uh, they are uh, well-respected globally as experts on the Muslim world and how to share faith with people of the Muslim uh, faith. And uh, they are great people, so keep them in your prayers. And then this week, uh, actually this morning, I think you got a message this morning or yesterday morning from uh, uh, Prakash and Nanya. Yeah, and this is a, go to the next slide. This is a, the picture of their house. And uh, instead of putting a tin roof on it, we're paying to put a cement roof on it because it will last 30 to 40 years. And uh, we want them to be blessed. So the house is almost done. Uh, so they're excited about that. It's going to be done before monsoons. And then last Sunday, if you were here, uh, we mentioned how we had a, a, a need for helping a church in Nepal. Well, we were well, we got inundated by finances. Actually, in one day, we raised more than enough money. So if you go to the next, this is the, the gravel coming. Go back one. Sorry. Go back one with the truck. There you go. This is this, the sand and the rock coming in. The next slide. This is them. They've already dug the foundation. That, that gal there with the uh, pick and the, the cement, that's Pastor Kieran. 
uh, pray for her because she, she found out this week she's, she pos- tested positive for COVID. So, uh, and we talked to her and she's like, she's like my wife. I call her the Nepalese Pastor Lynn because we sent her a message that said, honey, you got you to gotta take it easy now. You got to rest. She goes, okay, mama, I'll stay home for one day. No, you're not going to stay home for one day. You're going to stay home till you feel better and you get treatment. Uh, and then go to the next slide. This is the, they also uh, ran a pump and they got water. So they not only are going to have a church, they're going to have running water, which is really important. So I want to thank everyone that uh, contributed to that. They were blown away because we talked to her on Saturday or Friday. And on Sunday afternoon, we let her know that all the money was raised and we wired the money to them that week on Monday morning. And they got it Tuesday or Tuesday afternoon. So that's how fast. And her church was absolutely amazed because they've been praying for a church and God provided that fast. Isn't that exciting? You're going to see people in heaven that we contributed. You know, I don't know about you. A lot of times I, I put money into things that waste away or aren't, aren't important, you know. But when you build a church for someone, you build a home for someone to live in, that's going to change their destiny. And isn't that exciting? Yeah. I, I, you and I find it exciting, don't we? We need to start having coffee again for first service. What do you think, huh? You guys need a little bit more caffeine in your system, a little sugar, you know? Hey, well, we're excited to hear this morning. We're going to wait on you for your tithes and offerings and... Uh, uh, we thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We thank the board uh, for their service. You know, we had a board meeting this week, and God has been very, very, very faithful to Crossroads uh, during this last uh, 18, 19 months. And we're doing our best to be good stewards. We've cut expenses, and we've increased giving. Praise God. And, and this next year for our school is probably going to be the highest enrollment we've had in our school in years. And God has been faithful. And I want to tell you, we as a board and the trustees of this church are being as faithful as we can with the finances because we believe that we're expanding His kingdom first and foremost. So let's pray and ask the blessing on on our offerings. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give to you. We pray you'd bless both the gift and giver. Stretch our finances, Lord. Help us to be better stewards of it. And, and bless which remains, Lord. Let us see a miracle on how when we give to you, how you stretch our finances to, to, to ways that we can't even imagine. And I pray as a church that we continue to bless the nations. We continue to use the finances in the way that bring glory and honor to you. And Lord, we just bless this offering now in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you as you give. You want to drop your communication card in the bag, you can do that as well. Praise the Lord. Well, 
I'm going to tell you a little bit about this message before I give it. You know, it's interesting because the Lord totally downloaded this to me two weeks ago, and it was a word. And sometimes um, when God gives a word, you have to put it in sermon format, okay? <laughs> That's a, in other words, I have to break it down in a way so that it's clearly understood. But this is actually a word to you. It's a word to you. And I want you to receive this word to you. I want your faith to be there. I want your heart to be open. I want you to be willing, submissive to the presence of the Lord, to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let it be quiet today. The Lord told me it was going to be quiet today. (laughs) Um, Today, I'm going to talk to you about how kingdom builders are giant slayers. Kingdom builders, not maybe, they are giant slayers. And we're now entering into a series of words regarding the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of man that competes for your attention, competes for your loyalty, competes for you to echo what the kingdom of man has to say about something. We are of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus. That's who you are. I'm just going to let it rest. I'm not going to be in a hurry. And the fact is, there's been too much of the kingdom of man in the church. The thoughts of the kingdom of man. The answers that the kingdom of man has the enticement to be loyal to certain kingdoms of man we are all about the kingdom of god that's what we're about but some of us don't know what that means i mean unless you're taught about the kingdom of god you go okay all right i'm with you there but what are you talking about what do you mean when you say I'm about the kingdom of God. What are you talking about? Well, that's why we're doing this series. We are going to help you understand what it means to be kingdom builders, bringing in the kingdom of God. It's not a physical thing. It is a spiritual thing. The kingdom of God is spiritual. And we emphasize and we prioritize spiritual things. We do not fight against flesh and blood. Right? You all know that scripture. Where do we fight against? Principalities and powers in high places. We do not take up the weapons of man. We take up spiritual weapons to bring about breakthrough that does have physical manifestations to it. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. That's what our series is going to be about. So I'm, I've received this word from the Lord And so I'm in a hotel room this week because Pastor David was up in Sacramento getting some additional training. He is a chaplain. I don't know if you know this. He's a chaplain for the Morgan Hill Police Department. And as part of being an evangelist in this uh, city, and the Lord has opened the door for favor for him. So he's getting more training. and, And so I'm in the hotel room praying and putting this word together this week finally finished he would come and he would have lunch with me during his break so um 
I was waiting for him. I had just finished the message. And uh, so I, you know, put my laptop down. And I turn on uh, HGTV. You all know that, right? Some of you know that. HGTV, you know, it's pretty safe, right? So I'm watching something while he's going to come and get me for lunch. Immediately, right when I turn on the television, immediately a commercial comes on. Now, remember, I think HGTV is fairly safe. You know, a commercial comes on, and it's a Lexus commercial. Happens to be a Lexus commercial, which is, if you don't, I know you all know what a Lexus is. It's a car. And this is what the Lexus commercial says. This lady's driving in the car. It's not David against Goliath. It's David helping Goliath. This is the world's point of view. Don't you dare defeat Goliath. Let's be friends. I know. And I know that the Lord, I had never seen that commercial before. I know that the Lord had confronted me with that to say that's what the world wants you believers to do. Let's help out the one who kills, steals, and destroys. Let's help out the one who encroaches. Let's help out the one who the enemy wants us to coexist with Goliath. But I'm going to tell you, Goliath, his mission in your life, in the lives of your family, the life of this world is to kill, steal, and destroy. It's not your friend. And so many times, and we, we adopt the philosophies of the world we adopt we get influenced by some of these trendy things that actually look pretty good on the surface they are cloaked deceptively in human kindness come on jesus cloaked deceptively in human kindness but really what it's asking for you is to befriend goliath be careful of that That's what we're going to go after today. You are giant slayers. Don't you forget, if you're going to build his kingdom, you're going to have to be a giant slayer, and you're going to have to have discernment in the spirit realm of what giants look like. Okay, so we're going to go into this. Now, you know, we're about, Jesus came to establish his kingdom, but I'm going to use today as an illustration the kingdom that was about in the Old Testament, the one of that Israel established, King David came to establish. And the reason why is because the Old Testament is an illustration or a type in preparation, a foreshadowing of the kingdom that the Lord would have us bring to the earth through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So the, the truth is in the Old Testament... Israel was established. They, you know, you know, Joshua, they go in to take the promised land. That's what Abraham's all about, um, bringing a people. Why did God do that? Because the mission of God at that point was to bring a Messiah for the whole world, a savior for the whole world. That's what the prophets of the Old Testament proclaimed. It wasn't only for Israel, it was for the whole earth, for the Jew and the Gentile. That was the purpose, but through Israel, he would bring this Messiah. So the Lord establishes a people, and y'all, you know that I'm a Jew, okay? I even know what my line is, Levites. It's true, I am actually from the Levite line. And this is what God designed and god made a promise to king david 
He told King David that every future king of Israel would come from David's family. And David's kingdom would last forever. What did he mean by that? He meant that the Messiah, Jesus, would be one of David's descendants. So today what I'm going to talk to you about is using the illustration of David's life, King David's life, the shepherd David's life, and how David was a giant slayer so that he could establish the kingdom. Okay, that's what we're going to do. So it's an illustration. We can find characteristics of David's life that we should adopt. Actually, David is a type of Christ as well in the Old Testament. We also should follow some of the things that David, who David was, in order to be a, a person who has the heart of God on us, that as we live out our life as a believer, we establish the kingdom of God. It's not a physical thing like it was in the Old Testament as a type. It's a spiritual thing that we're establishing. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at David, the characteristics of David, who was a kingdom builder, and he was a giant slayer. The kingdom couldn't be built unless he was a giant slayer. If you look at his life. So let's say this. What prepared David to defeat the giants? What prepared him? See, David, you all know the story actually as we know in the Lexus commercial, (laughs) as we know because of the Lexus commercial, that the story of David and Goliath is actually a very positive and a very uh, common story globally. It's, a, it's, it's one that's been recounted in different ways, in many ways. And we know that what makes it a powerful story is that David was a shepherd boy. He was not a military man. He was a shepherd boy. And he learned to be a giant slayer out in the fields all alone. David was a giant slayer, listen, out in the fields all alone. See, because David learned... To slay the giants in his personal life. Come on, we're going to go down here. Giant giant slayers slay the giants in their personal life. A lot of people want to hit it hard out here. Pastor Lynn, look at this problem. Look at that problem. Well, you know what? Let's be giant slayers inside. Inside our life. And you know, David recounts this when he actually is going to go up against Goliath, he tells Saul that this is his experience. This is who he is. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a sheep from the flock. I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its mane and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has defiled the armies of the living God. David is talking to Saul about his hidden world. The world that no person sees in his life but him and a bunch of sheep. He was out there alone year after year as the youngest son of Jesse. Not a priority, really. 
youngest son of Jesse in a farming culture, living out with the sheep. And what did he do while he was out there? He learned to slay the giants. I'm going to tell you, you got to learn to slay the giants in your personal life. In those things that come against you, in those thought patterns, in those addictions, in those fears, in those things that the world says you should adopt, those things that mama and daddy said, well, that's just in our family line. That's not true. Learn to be a giant slayer in your personal life. It has everything to do with what God is going to do with you publicly. That hidden world. See, the fact is this, too many believers want to publicly slay giants, but privately not slay them. And it's for their own downfall. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confront you, I'm going to appeal to you to confront and to defeat the giants in your personal life. You know, it's it's interesting, there is a contrast between King Saul and David throughout this actually storyline of David and Saul and their kingship. Saul was one who could not or did not or decided not to defeat his personal giants. So therefore, when the Philistine showed up, when Goliath showed up, he could not go out against Goliath because he had not defeated his personal giants. He was afraid of Goliath because he was afraid of his own personal giants. Saul was the example of coexisting with his giants. He managed his giants, but he did not defeat them. Let's look a little bit at Saul. See, Saul loses his anointing by God because he's unwilling to defeat the personal giants. So what's the issue with Saul? What is his personal giant? Well, in battle, when they went out to battle against the Amalekites, what ends up happening is that he allows, rather than obeying the word of the Lord, submitting himself and surrendering to the word of the Lord, he yields to the will of the people. He's afraid of the people. Let's read it. First Samuel 15:24. Then Samuel, then Saul said to Samuel, "I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them." How many people are afraid of others? What will they think of me if I Surrender, obey, do what God has asked me to do. What will they think of me? He compromised. Oh, some of the things were given to God, but not everything. You know, there, there's, a, there's a nice median here. There's a, a happy medium we can come to, right? Can't we coexist rather than defeat? I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. I was afraid 
of the men. So I gave in to them. And what did the men want? What did they want? They wanted the stuff. They wanted the physical stuff. They wanted the physical. You know, one of the greatest battles about the kingdom is that the children of God continue to prioritize spiritual over physical. I told you last week in a word that the Lord gave me, and I I don't know if anybody else got it, but I sure came away with a powerful word, that the principality over this region, we sit on a gold mine in this region. This is a high place. I don't know if you know this, but this is a high place in the earth. This is one of the most, they call this a, a, um, a, a nation state. Do you know that that's the terminology of California? And it's not because of Northern California way up north. It's because of this valley. It's because of Silicon Valley. We are in a high place. Don't you dare uh, diminish that. You are in a high place. And you got to walk like you're in a high place. Be aware of the principality that's around. But guess what? You don't have to submit to that thing. What you can do is slay it. But you got to be aware of it. We are in a high place. You know, last week when I was preaching or given the word, it sounded like I was preaching, but given a word and the Lord was just, he was just saying, you know what? Have the revelation that you're in a high place and that you are defeating the principalities that hunger after wealth and gold. Listen, his word, his word is sweeter than and better than gold. The fact is this, though, even Christians begin to prioritize the gold. They begin to brighten. Know how I know? Because I can tell by the time. I can tell by what they worship, really, with their life and with their checkbook. But not so, not so with you. Not so with you. So I get this word last week. I'm like, man, God, that was heavy. It was good, but it was heavy. So we're driving up to Sacramento for his police thing. And within an hour of service, I receive way more than enough for this Nepal church plant. I mean, multiple. And the Lord said, this be a sign to you that the people are with you. Let this be. And we're not where we need to be yet. Come on. We're going to go, but we're getting there. Come on, we're growing. We're growing here first. See, we grow here. We're, it's not out here in the pews. It's inside of us that we say, I defeat those giants. I'm not going to be that materialistic person. I am not going to prioritize the physical over the spirit like Saul did. And Saul could not defeat Goliath because he did not defeat that personal giant. And we're going to defeat our personal giants because we're going to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. We're going to be people of his kingdom. And we're not going to do it compromised. We're going to be people of obedience. We're going to be people that say, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me. And you know, the truth is this, as God promotes you, you know, and you know that I pray this over this house. That there will be per capita more millionaires in this house than anywhere else in the U.S. More millionaires. Why do I say But not because you're going to walk around going doing stuff on boats and campers and big vacations. Fine. Do that every once in a while. But prioritize the kingdom of God. Prioritize the kingdom 
of God. And you know what challenges us is to say, are you willing to sacrifice for his kingdom? Just like God had asked Saul, burn it all. And the people wanted it. He should have burned it all for the sacrifice unto the Lord. But he was unwilling to do that. We must slay our personal giants if we're going to be giant slayers publicly. Second thing about David's life. Giant slayers are worshipers. You cannot be... I hear an alarm. I don't know where it's coming from. You cannot be a giant slayer unless you are a worshiper. David's anointing came from the Lord because David spent time with the Lord in the fields. He was anointed way before Samuel came to him and anointed him. Why? Because he was a worshiper. He was out in the fields. You've got to be a worshiper in your private world. Not just publicly when you come here, although you've got to do that too. But be a private worshiper. That's what gives you an anointing. That's what gives you intimacy. That's what gives you power is the private worshiping when he was alone. You know, David wrote 73 of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. 73 of them David did. He wrote them. And there's a contrast, once again, between Saul and David when it comes to worship. Now, Saul was one who, when he he saw the, the school of the prophets prophesying when he was on his way, when he was on a trail in 1 Samuel 10, 10, when he came around all of those who were all in agreement and alignment with the Spirit of God, he began to prophesy. But you know what? He wasn't a private worshiper. He wasn't he didn't have the worship in his own life. It required for me to be around other people so that I would worship. Come on, Jesus. He wants you to be a private worshiper. Now David was a private worshiper, writing the psalms in the fields, taking down the lion and the bear, privately worshiping. And so when It came time for Saul and David to meet. It had to do with worship. Before David ever went and went before Goliath, actually David had met Saul. Actually, in the very same chapter, right after David is anointed privately by the prophet in the house of Jesse out in the fields. In that very same chapter, we find that Saul is tormented by an evil spirit. Let me read that to you. 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 19 and 23. The spirit of the Lord had left Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord was terrifying him. It's an evil spirit from God that's frightening you, Saul's official told him. Your majesty, let us go and look for someone who is good at playing the harp. He can play for you whenever the evil spirit from God bothers you, and you'll feel better. All right, Saul answered. Find me someone who is good at playing the harp and bring him here. A man named Jesse who lives in Bethlehem has a son who can play the harp, one official said. He's a brave warrior. He's good looking. He can speak well, and the Lord is with him. Saul sent a message to Jesse. Tell your son David to leave your sheep and come here to me. Verse 23. Whenever the evil spirit from God bothered Saul, David would play his harp. 
Saul would relax and feel better and the evil spirit would go away. Let's look at the contrast here. David was already a worshiper. Saul did not have power to combat combat the evil spirit because he was not a worshiper. He did not surrender. He did not fight the giants in his private life. He was not submitted to God. And here comes this young man who is a worshiper and can defeat the evil spirits. Why? Because he was a humble young man. Because he was surrendered. Listen, worship is about... listen. Private worship in your life during the week is significant to ha- if you are going to be a giant slayer. So many believers want to just come once a week and worship. And they give worship to everything else all week long. They give worship to the television stations. They give worship to the news. They get worship to the politics. They give worship to sports. They give worship to shopping. They give worship to money. They give worship to their job. They give worship, 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 worship. But they don't give it to the Lord. Listen. We're fighting here. We're fighting here for a generation. We're fighting here. Let's not be frogs in the kettle. So adaptable to our culture, to the way. Listen, David served as a contrast. He was different. That's why God sought him out. Because he was looking for somebody that could bring his kingdom. And he's still looking for people to bring his kingdom here. You know, over the last five years, I've seen, maybe even longer, you know, people have asked me, Pastor Lynn, it must be so much easier here ministering than in India. And I say, it's not. It's not. We got just different giants in this land. And you know what? They're much more subtle. And the truth is this. The church, people in the church have adopted some of those giants. As okay. Whereas at least when you're in another country, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear <laughs> where the line is drawn. Oh, we don't want to be persecuted, Pastor Lynn. You know what? Start standing up. Start really standing up. Why don't you want to be persecuted, by the way? What are you afraid of? Is that a giant for you? in your personal life, that you're so afraid of being persecuted, you're willing to negotiate at the table with the enemy. You're so afraid of what your family thinks, that you're willing to negotiate at the table with the enemy. You're so afraid. Well, you know, I might not get the promotion if I don't talk a certain talk. You know what? Why don't you leave that up to God? Why don't you leave that promotion up to God? Because God is the one. You have favor with God, you will have favor with man. Jesus grew in favor with God first and favor with man. And yes, there will be testing times. There will be testing times when you know you didn't get the promotion because you didn't go out drinking with the friends. But the truth is this. Stand up. Stand up. Because you're going to be a giant slayer in this land. And you're going to bring the kingdom of God and where it begins to say you're first. You're my priority. I'm a worshiper. Giant slayers are worshipers. 
over this region, even over globally, I've seen the principality of death open itself up. Principality of death, not just because of COVID and actually physical sickness, but I've seen depression and suicide, life-stealing stuff over this generation globally, not just in U.S., but yes, in the U.S. It's a principality. It's a principality. Well, what combats that? I will worship. I will worship. Why? Because worship brings life. Worship brings life. Jesus is a life giver. The Holy Spirit is a life giver. He who raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit dwells in you. He's a life giver. It cannot coexist. Do you get me? That cannot coexist. Oh, Jesus. So David is a worshiper. And we know that. He was a worshiper in the fields. But you know what? David eventually gets exalted. And David eventually becomes king. And worship is tested for him. Is he going to be a public worshiper now? And so there's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where the Philistines have stolen the Ark of the Covenant and now the Ark of the Covenant is being returned. But there was a problem, and actually that problem was that Uzzah, the Ark starts to fall and he touches the Ark and so Uzzah dies suddenly and David's mad at God. So David says, okay, just store, just store the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom. And he's angry at God. And, angry, and, and you know what happens is where the ark is stored, that household begins to be blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. And David sees that and he gets his heart right before God. And he says, I got to go get the ark of the covenant. I got to get the ark of the covenant. I got to submit myself to God. You know, God does things I don't understand. I got to submit myself to God. And so he submits himself to God. And he says, let's go get the ark of the covenant and bring it back to Jerusalem. And they do that. And this is where before the people, before the people, he begins to worship with abandonment. Second Samuel 6. 12 through 16. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Like a servant. He was dressed as a servant. As a humble servant. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts. And the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. Verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household. Michael daughter of Saul came out to meet him and said how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today you didn't know they had sarcasm back then they sure did going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as a vulgar fellow would David said to Michael it was before the Lord who chose me 
rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be in held in high honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Let me say something about worship. We are to be true worshipers in our private life. If you're going to be a giant slayer, I'm talking about real deal people. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relational. I'm talking about stepping out and being a powerful person in the earth just as Jesus has given you the power to be just like he is. So shall we be in the earth. If you're going to do that, you're going to be not only a private worshiper, but a public worshiper. See, that's when you also defeat what people think. Remember, Saul's spirit, which was also in his daughter, Michael, right? What was she telling him? Care what people think. Be prideful. You're too good for that. You're too good to worship like that. You're too dignified to worship. You're too good to do that. And David says, Don't you realize it's him who's anointed me. I am everything that I am because of him. I don't care what you all think. I only care what he thinks. What gave him the power to be the giant slayers was that he was willing to be a worshiper both privately and publicly and you know what the slave girl thing it's interesting because i was thinking what's that about and the lord says this generation needs to see people worship this generation needs to see adults worship this generation needs to see mama and daddy worship this generation needs to see their leaders worship him worship him not dignified not proud not too proud you're going to be a giant slayer see david was a giant slayer all his life not just with goliath if you read the first and second samuel You'll find he was a giant slayer all his life. And when he got it wrong, which he did, he said, created me a clean heart. We'll get it wrong sometimes because we're not perfect. But all we have to do is say, I return to you. I return to you. Because you're the one that matters. And David had a heart after God. That's why he was anointed. That's why he was a giant slayer. He worshipped in the fields and he worshipped in the palace. Don't be ever too good to worship. You know what? The Lord blesses his people. Oh, Lord, bless me. He does. He loves to bless his children. And everybody raises their hands when it's time to bless. But may we give a sacrifice of praise. May we raise our hands and sacrifice and worship to the Lord. Not caring what people think. You know, it's interesting. Who cared What David did was his wife, Michael, 
Some of the greatest things that prohibit us from worshiping can be family. I care what. Oh, they're going to make fun of me. So what? So what? Get out there and lead in worship. Lead in how worship is before in abandonment, in humility before the Lord. This generation needs to see you worship because that has everything to do with whether you're truly going to be a giant slayer. You know, David's the one that established worship in the tabernacle. He was the one that established Asaph and all of the Levites that daily worshiped. Why are there more Psalms than what David wrote? David wrote 73. There's much more Psalms than that. Why is it? Because Asaph was established. Because he established amongst the next generation. We're going to be a people that worship. We're going to be a people that worship. And not only is it just in my private life, but I'm going to publicly show you how to worship this generation is looking for something to worship so they run out of out and buy devil shoes they go to all kinds of junk take all kinds of drugs looking for something looking for something to fill me and all of that is empty and all of that is death oriented to kill steal and destroy from them let us show them how to worship, not by preaching at them, but by doing it. Come on, Jesus. Let me also say one other thing. Michael became barren because she was not a worshiper. And I know one thing over this house. The Lord is raising up this house to be a worshiping house. But he'll deal with the stuff, people. He'll deal with the pride. He'll deal with the attitude. He'll deal with the self. Because to be a worshiper, you got to empty yourself of self. And you got to fill yourself with him. He wants an empty vessel to fill. He doesn't want your pride, by the way. He doesn't want your dignity, by the way. And I'm going to tell you something. I've had people say this to me. He doesn't even want your money if your money's attached to some sort of motive that you don't have to worship. Giving is worship. Giving is worship. But you don't attach something with it. See, you are anointed to be a giant slayer. David was anointed to be a giant slayer. He tells that to Michael. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. I'm anointed to be a giant slayer. But you know what? People don't want you to be giant slayers sometimes. Even people close to you don't want you to be a radical giant slayer. You know what? When David actually shows up to face Goliath, you know what one of the greatest detours are trying to convince him otherwise is his brother. If you look at 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7, this is what it says. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, well, this is when he was anointed. The Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, Eliab is with David in both places. He's with David when he's in the house of Jesse and he's there thinking because he's the first son, the oldest son. The tradition is that the oldest son is favored. He thinks that he's going to be the one that's anointed. 
We find that later because he's the one that's trying to discourage David from going out in front of the giant. He's the one that accuses David of having a bad attitude and a wrong heart. There are people who don't want you to be giant slayers. There are people even in your family that don't want you to be giant slayers. 1 Samuel 17, 28 says about Eliab. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. David, don't go up against Goliath. You have a wrong motive. You know, you have a wrong motive when you think people can be free of certain things. That's what the world says. That lifestyle, they can't be free from that. That's the wrong motive. How dare you try to change that? How dare you take down Goliath? The world has a lot of Eliabs out there that look pretty pretty close to us. They kind of look like us. You know? I want peace in the world. But I can't have peace with the enemy. I don't make peace with the enemy. The enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's doing a job on people. Eliab tries to convince by the motive. He tries to go against the internal motive of David. But the truth is this. David has already given his heart to the Lord. And so David doesn't even... It doesn't even penetrate David. David just ignores him at this point. He just goes on. He just goes on and says, I'm doing this thing. And he does that thing. Listen, the world's going to question why you want to take down giants. Quit wanting their permission. Quit wanting their permission to take down the giants. Once again, It's a people pleaser thing. David was not a people pleaser. He was a God pleaser. One last thing is David faced Saul once again before he takes down the giant because Saul wants him to wear Saul's armor. And I thought, you know, this is interesting because David says, no, I can't wear this. Saul still wanted to control the situation. Actually, Saul did want David to go out because Saul had run, been exhausted of answers because, remember, they had been going against this giant for a very long time. Saul had been exhausted of answers. So it's like, okay, David, you can go out, but do it my way. Let me have some control over this. Don't get too crazy on me now. Don't get too crazy on me now. If you'll look like I want you... If you'll do it in my format, I'm with you on it. He wanted control. He wanted to control how it was done because he was insecure. And you know what? There's people who want to control how the Holy Spirit goes about and does things. I only like if it's in a nice, neat little package that I'm used to because remember, the armor was something that they were used to. The armor was something that was tradition for them. And that's how you should go about. But the truth is this, the armor didn't work. Because there was no one willing to go out against the giant in that very armor. In the traditions of man. They needed a young man 
They said, I don't need the world's ways. I don't need the world's stuff, the world's armor, the world's acceptance of how I go about it. I don't need that. All I need is him. And I know who he is because I defeated the bear and I defeated the lion. And the same God that was with me then is with me now. First Samuel 17:45 says this. David said to the Philistine, "You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty." That's how he came against him. That's how you come against the spirits of this world. You don't come against it with the things of the world, the philosophies of the world, the control of the world, you come against it in the name of God, the Holy Spirit. David had already emptied himself. He was already prepared because he was a worshiper, because he had a history in his private world with God. What about you? What say you? God is raising up giant slayers now. 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 You hear, you say, oh, Jesus is coming back soon. Oh, yeah, he did, is. And you feel, and the reason why people are saying that, you know why? Because they feel the heat is rising, rising. But you know what? That heat is rising so that you stand up to be a giant slayer because the harvest is white. You know what I'm going to do is I have a song for you. I just want you to just listen to this song. It's about coming, the Lord coming and filling you right now in submission. And then we're going to take communion in response to this word. Randy, why don't you start that song? I want you to pray about what the Lord has spoke to you. As I
every room, every part, every room, every part of me. It's where you want to live. It's where you want to be. You want to dwell right here with me. It's not a building you want to fill. It's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all along. It's not a building you want to fill. It's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all along. Yeah. It's not a building you want to fill. It's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all along. Hey, yeah. It's not a building you wanna fill. It's my heart, you can have it all. This empty space is what you wanted all along. It's what you wanted all along. Oh, it's not a building you wanna fill. It's my Just when I don't have enough, you Just when I don't have enough, you When I don't have anything else to lean on When I don't have anything else to lean on You love when I'm empty You love when I'm empty When I don't know the answers, you love When I don't have the solution, you love
Take communion now. I want you to stand. That song says, it's not a building that you want to fill. It's my empty space inside. All of those places in us. And you know, communion is a reminder of what Christ did for us on the cross. Yes, so that we can have salvation and go to heaven, but so that we can walk empowered by him. So that we could do destroy the works of the enemy. So that we could walk like he walked on this earth. Bringing people to know him, to know his love, his forgiveness. And you know, today I just really want to submit ourselves to the Lord. Submit ourselves to the Lord like David. I was thinking about David in the fields before the Lord, in the palace before the Lord, a heart after the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants us to have. Pastor David, why don't you come up and lead and communion has everyone been served everyone have a cup Randy can you grab some of the cups from the front there if if you don't have a communion element do you want to raise your hand so they can serve you okay all right you guys over here need them Dave and Bevan do you guys have them you know scripture says that before we take communion we should examine our heart the reason we examine our heart is to make sure that there's nothing in our heart that's keeping us separated from what the Lord wants. And the thing I love about the, the Lord is that He is gracious, gracious to forgive us of all of our sins. You know, we will never be good enough for what the Lord's done for us. It's by His grace. And so we accept it by grace. So let's just pray. And if there's anything in your life, I'm, we're not, I'm not judging you. You judge yourself. But if there's anything in your life that you need to just surrender to the Lord, just say, Lord, I, I, as we, I pray, I just want you to say, Lord, I, I surrender this to you. Scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all those things. And Scripture says that as far as east is from west, that's how far he's going to remove it from us. So, Lord, right now we just come before you before we take these elements. And I ask if there's anything in my life that's displeasing to you that you would forgive me that you would cleanse me like the words of that song is you didn't come to fill this room you came to fill our hearts and Lord we just confess to you our need for you and now Lord we ask that you would just bless this time scripture tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians that on the night that Jesus was betrayed he gathered with his disciples in the upper room took, if I could open this, he took a thank you he took bread and he said this bread represents my body which was broken for you no, 
Now, in the natural, that doesn't make sense, but in the spiritual, it does. And so, Lord, we bless this bread, this token that represents your body that was broken for us. Lord, we thank you that you loved us even before we were born. You gave yourself for us so that we could have a relationship with you and the Father. And, Lord, we bless this bread to our bodies in Christ's name. Shall we partake of the bread? First Corinthians tells us that after dinner he took a cup. And I love this. He said, This cup represents the new covenant, which is a new beginning. It's a new start. It's a fresh start. And he says that this cup represents my blood, which was given and shed for you. The blood of Jesus cleanses, the blood of Jesus heals, the blood of Jesus restores. And this grape juice represents his blood which was given to us so father right now we just thank you for this cup we thank you for everything it means even things we don't even understand what it means but we thank you lord that you loved us enough to die for our sins and to cleanse us and to restore us and to separate us from the things of this world so we could live for you Give us a heart that is committed to you. Give us a heart like King David that just did everything he could to be in your presence. And Lord, we bless this cup now in Jesus' name. Shall we partake? We're going to worship the Lord and we're going to just kind of have a soft close for service this morning. And uh, Pastor Lynn's going to come up and share something and then we're going to go into a time of just worship. Don't leave unless you're released to go, because this is a word for you. Do you know that the same anointing that God placed on David, he's placed on you? Come on. It's not any less. You just got to say yes. The world, the enemy, humans try to convince you that it's not there, that you're pretending, that it's not real, but it's real. It's real. I choose to be a giant slayer, not because I can do it. I don't come in my name. said about David he's a man after my own heart one of the greatest warriors that ever lived was a man after God's own heart it didn't make him a man that was weak he was strong because of the Lord and I want you to right now embrace that anointing just like Samuel came to the house of Jesse and he says, I'm looking for the anointing. And it's not in that person because he's pride. Not in that person because he's arrogant. There's got to be somebody else because there's a heart I'm looking for. 
And there was a shepherd boy. And guess what? He was already anointed. Because God had chosen him. And God chooses you. God, even in this moment, the Holy Spirit, just like the Holy Spirit was with Samuel, looking to rest upon someone to walk in the power and authority to bring his kingdom, just like the Holy Spirit was there way back then, the Holy Spirit is here saying, I'm ready to rest on you. I'm ready to rest on you because you're going to slay the giants. You're going to slay them in your family. You're going to slay them in your own life. You're going to slay them in the community around you. You're going to bring people to me. I say yes. So David comes and he's anointed with oil. He's anointed with oil. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want anyone else. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He's anointing your head with oil. Don't refuse it. Open. I am open. I'm open, Lord. I'm open, Lord. Giant slayers arise. Giant slayers arise. Giant slayers arise. Some of you, the Lord's saying, I'm going to teach you. Then you, that you're different than you've been taught before. I'm changing your mind. You've, you've believed something about yourself and the Lord says, I've anointed you. I'm going to pray and then the worship team's going to go ahead and play. But I want you, if the Lord has really spoken to you, take time. It doesn't matter if the second service begins. Take time. We can let it be messy. We don't have to have this control thing. We can let it be messy. Take time with the Lord. Lord, we receive your word. I know it's a powerful word. I'm calling you out. Come, you're anointed to slay giants. You've done it in your private world. Now I'm going to put you in places in the public to slay giants. We receive your word in your name. Amen. Worship team, go ahead. You're dismissed. Take time with the Lord before you go. I'm caught up in your prayer. I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, 
I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you. For those who are joining us by video, we're just in the presence of the Lord. We're not going to try to, we're not about performance. And we're going to stay in the presence of the Lord right now. The Lord is moving. You're joining join us, join in with this. The Lord has a word, but you know what? We have to respond to his presence. We have to respond to his presence. So you know what? We're going to continue. We're going to continue moving. We're going to continue worshiping. We're going to continue to respond to the Lord. I'm caught up in your presence, Lord. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm caught up in your presence, Lord. This is a divine appointment for me. I'm a worshiper, Lord. I'm caught up in your presence, Lord. I don't care what other people think. I don't care what the right way to do this is. I'm caught up in your presence. I'm abandoned to you. I'm abandoned to you. You're everything, Lord, to me. You're everything, Lord, to me. I shake off the stuff of the world. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord. I want you. I want you. Come on, worship team. Let's sing. 